Welcome to episode six of And What Else with me, Wendy O'Byrne, also known as The Completion Coach. And we're going to talk today to the comfortable people. (laughs) So I'm not talking about people who are in situations where change isn't possible. I'm not talking to people who have social, economic, time, any of the pressures and external things that mean that they are unable to have that transformational moment. I'm not speaking to that. I am speaking to people who are in a comfortable position, who are frustrated with an element of their lives and talking about change, talking about all they're doing, talking about everything about it, but not actually doing anything about it. Those are the people that enter into coaching contracts on the whole because they have the time to invest, the finances to invest, and a drive, a drive that they want to invest. They are aware that there is something that they want to do that they're not doing, and they have got sick of themselves. That tends to be the case. They are sick of their inaction. They're sick of their ability to talk the talk and not do anything. They're sick of their own behavior. There is a part of them that has gone, you know what, I'm not doing this on my own. I've tried, or at least I've made out (laughs) I've tried, and I'm ready to actually do it. And so when there is the idea of hiring a coach, of getting involved in that contract and signing up to that relationship, then there is a very clear indication somewhere, not just that you want something, but that you are tired of your own shit. And there we have it. That is one of the main driving forces for people to hire and get involved with a coach. Now, why do people get so tired of their own shit? It's because they are relatively comfortable, even within their discomfort. So when we're talking about comfort zones in this particular episode, what we're talking about is something is annoying you, something is frustrating, there's something that you really want to change, something that you really want to be able to go for wholeheartedly, full throttle, without using your normal tactics to hold yourself back. And we're going to talk about our usual tactics later on, but we all have them. And what happens for these people is they finally get to a point where they go, do you know what? I've been talking about this since, I don't know, 2020, and nothing's changed. Even though I've got these books, even though I've listened to these podcasts, even though I have done X, Y, and Z, even though I have said that I'm going to make this change, this transition, I've declared to somebody out there that this is important to me, and I am moaning probably every day about the thing that I'm not happy about, uncomfortable with. I'm giving it a good grumble. There is noise. (laughs) And yet, and yet, three years later, where they have got to is nowhere near where they should be with that change. The reason for the majority of those people is the discomfort is still quite comfortable. It is not difficult for them to stay where they are because it offers ease. It's regular, it's familiar, it is annoying and unfulfilling and ah gives ah all of the frustrations but it is familiar and it is easy and it is still quite comfortable to be there. It is not absolutely cannot deal with this for a second longer. Even if you are saying that, even if you are saying, oh my God, I cannot, I cannot do this again. You are probably 
exaggerating your vocabulary <laughs> to say how awful something is while sitting there and thinking it's not that bad because I'm still here. And I am still reiterating and caveating this is not people in situations that are awful where they have absolutely no choice. This is people who are in some way at a stage of comfort in their lives that are making a choice whilst talking about one thing in a certain way and whilst not taking the action that they want to to change it. The reason for this is that a lot of people need it to be really, really, truly shitty to take action, to really take action, to really drive themselves to do something. And unless it truly is, then you can still grumble, you can still moan and still enjoy the ease of it, the ease of staying in it, which is frustrating and annoying and builds up that inner conflict with yourself. But it doesn't drive you to take action. You have to truly be tired of yourself, of the ways that you are self-sabotaging, of the way that you are using your tactics really cunningly to trip yourself up, where you know what you do to self-sabotage. And you're at the stage of going, do you know what? I really want to do this now. I really want to do this. And I know that left to my own devices, I will find my way out. I will find a way to not do this. I will give myself my permission slips to give over and over again as to why I couldn't do it. And I was talking about this with a friend recently as well, where I was saying, we're both talking the talk on something here that's not uncomfortable for either of us by any stretch of the imagination, but we're not actually doing as much as we say that we're doing. We're not actually doing as much as we say that we're doing. We're talking the talk. We have the skills. We've definitely got the skill set. We've definitely got the desire. But where we are and what we are experiencing is by no stretch of the imagination so uncomfortable that we're taking enough action. There's no way. So calling bullshit on her and me <laughs> in that moment. Everyone's got that this weekend. That chat's happened with a few people. But we have to declare that at some point to ourselves and go, Do you know what? I'm not doing anywhere near the amount that I say that I'm doing. And the reason that I'm bringing this up is for two reasons. One is that generalization that I spoke about in the beginning. A lot of people come into me and they'll go, I've done everything. I've done everything, Wendy. I've been at this for years. I'm so frustrated. I'm out of ideas. I'm, I'm just done. And I'm like, okay, tell me everything you've done. What, when, where, what was the impact? What was your reflection? What was the adjustment? How did you measure it on repeat? Tell me, tell me everything that you've done and the frequency and what. And in reality, <laughs> when put on that spot, they haven't done that much. Even when they think they have, they haven't. Not when we truly review it. Because what they have often done is a little of something occasionally with no measurement, with no actual data, with no adjustment, with no reflection, and then they've given up. What I'd like to declare there is loose language creates losses. Loose language creates losses. Because when, when we're generalized, when we're really loose with what we're saying, when there's no data whatsoever, when we're not being really clear, drilling down beneath the really generalized statement, I've done everything, I'm exhausted, Gee, I've tried, 
what does that mean? What are you actually doing? Because loose language will add up to your losses. And I want you to avoid that at all costs because when we don't know what we've done, when we don't know what we've tried, when we don't know how often, to what degree, what the feedback was, what reflections there were, what changes we made, what shifts happened, then what we find is that we have very loose outcomes. We've got some very loose thinking. And loose thinking will cost you because you'd have some loose ideas, some loose outcomes, some loose data, some loose commitment, very loose accountability, very loose thinking, and probably some very loose beliefs around what you can and cannot do. Loose thinking is really expensive. You know, if you think hiring a coach is a big cost, loose thinking, loose talking, loose data is really costly. It will cost you years. It will cost you what you really want. And it will be so detrimental to your internal well-being on your belief system about yourself because you will be reinforcing the story that you're a loser and that you can't that you're always giving up that you've tried everything and that it wouldn't work for you when in fact the reality is you probably barely tried and I know that's a little bit in your face for this podcast (laughs) welcome to episode six but the truth is with all of that generalization and looseness There's no real track of what you did or why you did it. And that's why I say it's generalizing, giving the top level, suggesting all of the things that we're happy for people to know about us. What that tends to create is a lot of comfort and ease in what we're not doing. Because to even tell people I've tried everything and it's not working, you know, people will generally get off your back. You will get off your own back. When in reality, what? What have you done? How often? Where's your data? Where's your proof? What did you change? How often did you change? What did you review? You know, what have you actually investigated on this? What have you researched? What do you know? Why do you think those things happened? Most people don't answer those questions. Generalization, side kicker to this as well, is because Some people have done so much research that they believe they have become experts at something, but they have only become experts at the subject and at the research. They're not actually experts at the application or doing anything with that. And so we have to be careful at what we are declaring, what we are using that language on and what we're saying, because what would it take for you to do what you really want to do? What would it take, not just to happen, to force you? A lot of people take big action when their back's against the wall in some way, or there's a big change in their lives. And so they get a little bit into that fuck it mentality. You know, I'm going to do this. This big event just happened. And now I'm going to take a risk because that big event wasn't as scary as I thought it was. And so now I'm going to take a risk in other areas. But I also mean by what would it take? As to genuinely, what would it take for you to get where you want to be? Do you know what it would take? And are you willing to do what it would take? Or do you just like the idea of the outcome? Have you really gone into this? Or is this something that's been a really nice, warm dream that has given you something when you're moaning to talk about, to think about? Or is it something that you really, really want? And if you really, really want it, 
What would it take to happen for you to really go for it? Full gusto, full belief, full trust, even though the ease that you have right now, even though it's unsatisfying, it's easy. It offers you some ease. It offers you some comfort, even though you are going to risk that. And I think if you've ever come to any of my talks, any of my programs, you would have heard me say to most people at some point, if you went for this, and I'm big in building bridges and not taking wild leaps, but building a bridge to where you want to go, but being really intentional about how long this bridge is going to take to build, what the build's going to cost and how we're going to make this build happen. Like anything, we need a plan. We can't just say I'm bridging over to something, but I don't know when it will happen or why or who will know because you'll never build the bridge. We need an end date on the build. We need to know when you're going to get over that bridge. But fundamentally, I ask everybody, if you really had to, how hard do you think it would be to get back to where you are now, to the position you are in now? And for most people, they do believe they can get back there. They do believe they can get back there one way or the other. Wherever they are, wherever this dissatisfaction is, whatever is happening that they'd like to change, I always ask them, how hard do you think it would be for you to get back here to where you are now? For most people, they say, yes, I think I could do that. And my response is always, do not live in your worst case scenario. Because if you were to not achieve the change that you wanted, if it wasn't to go exactly how you planned and you could get back to here, then this is your worst case scenario. Please don't live there. Please don't live there. And so with that in mind right now, I want you to think about areas you might be grumbling about that you might be really passionately saying that you want to make change in. So be that your career, which is an awful lot of people, be that in your financial situation, be that in your living situation, be that in any part of your life where you're like, you know what, this is shown up on repeat. This has been, you know, the thing I write down every year that I'm going to change, that's going to happen, that I'm going to work on. If you're a vision boarder, this is the thing that's on that board. I want you to sit down with some real honesty and work out exactly where you are now that you moan about, that you're unhappy about, that you're dissatisfied with. What's easy about it? What's comfortable about it? Why haven't you wanted to really change it? What's holding you back from really wanting to change that? And if we even reflect back into the false benefits episode, what's the benefit of you staying here? Because there will always be some. There will always be benefits to where you are. And when you look at those and we compare the benefits to making the change, to being different in some way, to shifting our perception to the thing that we say that we want, do we really want it? Be honest as well, because maybe you made it so fantastical is that the word? (laughs) That it was beyond measure. Maybe you just made it so big and so far away and so separate from you that you don't even really identify with it. It feels like dream territory, but only if you win the lottery, only if you won the show, only if this thing happened. I want you to bring it down a few notches as to how does this feel on me? And where would I start? What would be level one of me being in that? And how could I then grow further within that change? But what would be level one of that change? And am I prepared to do what it would take to get to level one? Do I know what that is? Have I got really tight 
(laughs) data, dates, plans, structure. Because without it, accountability, commitment, what's my initial outcome to measure? Without that, what are you measuring? What are you using to really look at what you're doing and what needs to be adjusted? Compared to really loose language, loose thinking, loose plans, I'm going to move to next year. When? I'm going to be out of my job. When? How? What's going to change? We need to know. We need to know these things because otherwise there will always be external factors that push us back. There always will be. There are things that crop up that slow us down. There'll be things that stop us in our path sometimes, things that we need to reassess, things that we need to adapt, things that we need to go a slightly longer route because we've established some information on the way. But we need to know what that is. Because if we don't, we don't know what we're measuring And if we don't know what we're measuring, we've got no idea where we are. And again, that's why so many of the graphics and memes that go around about the fact that you were so close, but you didn't know it just when you gave up, is because people weren't measuring anything. And if we're not measuring something, we'll be emotionally driven and emotionally driven by the language that we're using about ourselves. I've tried everything, have you? And that's not to make you feel bad. That's not to say, oh, you're not effective with your time. You're not this. It's to say, have you? Or does it emotionally feel like you've drained yourself? Because everything's coming from a place where there is no actual action. There's just an awful lot of dissatisfaction in an area driving you emotionally to be frustrated. And you're tired and you're emotional and you're deflated and you're underwhelmed, and you're overwhelmed, and everybody else has already done it, and, 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 and all of this energetically can stop people from doing anything, from doing anything, even though they really say they want it, and in reality, they would really like it to happen, they're just not always prepared to take action, even when it's easy not to, they're not prepared to do things when it's quite comfortable to stay in the dissatisfaction of where they are. And that's a very human thing to do and be. And I'm not saying that, oh, I've never done that because I just crack on and do things. That's where I was, right? I was in a position where I was unsatisfied, where I was frustrated with myself, frustrated with situations, And I wasn't taking action whatsoever. But if you'd have asked me at the time, I was exhausted from all the things I was doing. (laughs) So I'm no different. And I can still catch myself doing that now when I can say, as I said, that this weekend talking to a friend who I went, it's interesting because I've caught myself saying, I've done everything. I don't know what else to do. I'm like, "Um, what else can I do? And in reality, I didn't even have to go and look at it. As I was saying it out loud, I was almost smirking at myself thinking, you bloody liar. (laughs) You haven't done everything. You are not really pushing on this. You're doing a really good talk and you're doing some things and you're doing enough to make it feel like you're double busy with it all, but you're not actually doing everything. And there are some things you are swerving on purpose. And the reason why is because it's quite easy. I've got no accountability on it at the moment. And 
I've got some loose language on it at the moment. And if it does happen, and if it doesn't happen, I'll be all right. That's the truth of the matter. If it does happen, and if it doesn't happen, I'll be all right. Not that many people would know. You wouldn't know. It's not something that's like an external massive project. It's me. And so on that basis, it's quite easy for me to get away with things. And I've done that in my life (laughs) in many different ways and distracted everybody's attention. I say to most of my clients, and I say it about myself and most humans, is that we've got really good sleight of hand. We can divert someone's attention to look at something else quite quickly. I've had clients try to do it with me. I have seen people that tell me that they're in therapy and I'm like, oh my God, I can see how you sleight of hand someone to make it look like you've done something when you haven't. And it's really interesting because I work with overachievers that feel like underachievers. And the one thing you've got to watch with those people is they will present. They will always sleight of hand. They will always make it sound good and they will always make it look good and they will always give you enough evidence to try to trick your eye to look the other way because they've mastered the art and so it's really important when you are working with a coach that they are able to call you out in a very loving way but to be able to say I know you (laughs) I know you and I know what you're doing and we need to stop that and we need to look this way we need to go here And I know it's not what you want me to do. I know you want me to look over there at the trick that you've just performed, but I don't want to. This comes back to, again, the presenting problem is never the problem. And I often say to my guys, very specifically, because they're a certain type of person, the presentation you give me will never distract me. Because I will look through it to get to where we need to go, because I know how good you are at doing what you do. I know how this works. I know how you work. And what I want is for us to make change, not for you to present to me that we did a great job. (laughs) And that's the thing to look out for. If you're in coaching, if you're somebody with that very heightened hyper-independence skill set, if you're somebody that would fit into having high-functioning anxiety, I know how you have got away with things for so long. I know what you do to get the progress done. I know what you do, but I also know how you would distract yourself and divert other people's attention to not really notice that gap. And so if you know that about yourself, if you're aware that it's quite easy for you to do some things, even though it looks really uncomfortable to other people, even though it looks really hard to other people, when you know that for you, it's your easy, it's your comfortable it's what you can do, then take a moment and just assess what that is stopping you from going for, having and doing that would take you out of that easy. That's where I'm going to leave it today. We will pick up on the next episode and continue to look at how these things can show up and hyper-independence. And I'll speak to you then. Thank you for listening.